The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Great to have you here tonight as we get ready to talk about UFOs and also remote viewing. Both of those topics, very, very interesting. And right now, especially, uh, we're not going to talk a whole lot about the UFO uh, topic with our guest, Alan Steinfeld, who will join us in just a couple of moments, because um, he was on recently, like about six weeks ago, maybe six, five, six weeks ago. And we talked a lot about that then. But there has been some progress, I guess you'd call it, in this disclosure discussion. So we'll talk a little bit about that before we end up going to our main topic tonight, which is remote viewing. I remember when I had Alan on the show back in April, he started talking about remote viewing and we just ran out of time. And I said, Alan, we've got to get you back on because this is a fantastic, this is a fantastic discussion. It's a conversation we need to have. And we booked it then. I had uh, Slick Eddie set up the date and we got him uh, for tonight. So looking forward to that. The only concern I have is that Slick said he couldn't reach him today. So I hope, hope everything's okay. Uh, usually we have a confirmation from our guests during the you know the day at some point. Uh, we confirm everything is cool and everything's uh, a go. Some people get you know, sick or they get another commander. Things come up, so we like to verify. And they don't always respond to us, so sometimes it's a bit of a, a crapshoot. We roll the dice a little bit. So if during the break I can't get him, I'll come back and we'll have our own little chat. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, Alan is a pretty uh, reliable guy, and I think if there was a problem, he would have let me know or let Slick know. Anyway, I do want to take a second and thank a couple of people. We've had some people join our Patreon page, and that's the place where people can go to support the program. You know, we don't do the advertising like we used to. So we don't have that same kind of support. So we rely on a lot of support from our listeners and our fan base here. And our Patreon page is one of those places that uh, people can go and support us. And it's a really it's a it's an inexpensive way to offer a little bit of support so that we can handle some of the expenses of putting the show together. Believe me, Slick Eddie is not a cheap producer. Um, But either way, we've had a couple of folks join on there and I want to just give them a bit of a mention and a thank you. Lori Martin, thank you very much. For your generosity, I appreciate it. And Kristen Cox, you as well. Thank you so much for being part of our Patreon support. Uh, we we greatly appreciate that and and welcome you to our family. Uh, if you're curious about where that is, you just go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. Most of you most of you know where it is. And it's not something we require, of course, but it is something that we appreciate very much. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our guest again. We're talking with Alan Steinfeld tonight on Beyond Reality. The primary conversation will be about remote viewing, but we'll also be talking about the latest in the UFO discussion as well, because there's a lot there to be said. So that's all ahead here on Beyond Reality. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Please take a minute minute and subscribe to our channels. Of course, we're right here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you know how to do that. It's pretty simple. Please subscribe. Also on Twitch, we're broadcasting live there as well. You can find us on Facebook under Beyond Reality Radio. It's always great to follow that page. Keeps you up to date as what we're doing there. And find my page as well on Facebook. You can find that easily enough. It's just JV Johnson or if you type in at JVJ Paranormal. You'll find it as well. Tonight, we've got a guest returning uh, after about five weeks. We had Alan on about five weeks ago, talked a lot about UFO stuff and his book, which is called Making Contact. And at the time, we touched on remote viewing a little bit, too. And we realized very, very quickly that we needed to have Alan back as quickly as possible. So Slick Eddie set it up so that uh, we could have him back tonight to talk about uh, remote viewing in general, but we're going to touch on the UFO topic a little bit as well. Again, Alan is the author of a book called Making Contact. Alan, well, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you here again so soon. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Before, so. yeah, before we get into this remote viewing conversation, which will make up the bulk of what we're talking about tonight, I do want to get some of your thoughts on the seemingly daily evolving news as it relates to this report that's about to be delivered to Congress, I, I'm hearing that it, uh, some of the prelim, preliminary information has been seen by some people, yet the full report won't be unclassified and given to Congress until June 25th or so. But what, are you hearing anything about this? Well, there was just a report in the New York Times today. Uh, of course, everyone's talking about this is especially in my world. And this is the world where UFOs have been a subject, a daily subject for 40 years for right, somewhere, some right. people. So this is the thing people are talking about. Yeah, I mean, let's see. No one really knows as hedging bets both ways. There was just a piece in the New York Times today. Did you see it? I, yeah, I saw, some, I saw some bits of it. Yeah, I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, it, I'll just read the headline. It's today, June 3rd, that we're going live now, right? Yeah. So says New York Times, American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomena witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft, but they still cannot explain the unusual movement that they that have mystified scientists and the military, according to senior administration officials briefed on the findings of highly anticipated of a highly anticipated government report. So look at this. They're saying they found no evidence that the aerial phenomena in recent years is of are alien spacecraft. Now, what evidence do they want to have to say that it was an alien spacecraft. They, they're telling us two things in that very first paragraph. They're saying, well, it's not one of ours, and it's not any uh, intelligence that we know that can make this, basically, they're saying throughout that article. But we can't say that they're aliens. Like, you know, if something looks <laughs> like a duck, right. sounds like a duck, yeah. it probably is the aquatic animal. A duck. So this is, this is the, the double speak. That the media is 
spinning and the government. They're spinning a story where they're giving us a little something and they're taking it away right in the same sentence. Why? Why? I mean, of course, they don't want if they come out and say, yes, we think it's alien spacecraft game over. You know, that's it. You know, you've won the pinball game. It's like, OK, proves our point. So they're hedging it right there. They're right at the very edge. They're saying, we don't know who's doing this. They don't seem to be Russian or Chinese or any anything that's from this earth, but there's no evidence that it's alien. Well, that is exactly the evidence that it's alien. Right. Just come out. I say to these people, grow up. We're not children. We can handle the truth. It's obviously, if it's not from any country we know, why can't we mention the A word? Why can't we hypothesize? Just not say, well, for sure, but of course we would know for sure if they let us into the, like the Area 51 government cover-up secret bases that it was aliens, but why can't we just hear that word that, yes, we are being visited by creatures from another world? Yes, that's freaky. It sounds like a science fiction movie, but, you know, in one of the New York Times articles it said – what was once science fiction is now science fact. Yeah. So they keep hedging it. It's like, you know, that old story about, like, if you're walking from here to the wall, you can only go halfway and then another halfway until you never actually get to the wall. You only get halfway divided infinitely. So we're getting infinitely closer to the <laughs> truth. And it's like, just say it. Just say it already. It's like, you know, someone who lies to you and they, they keep fabricating the lies and they and they never say yeah i did it it's my fault it's like it's like that just come out with it and yeah there's lots of ramifications once they do but this is why i wrote the book these are people who researched the field for 40 years and said yes it is alien it's not from this world it's not from anything we know we i'm just saying we are adults we can handle the fact, but the government obviously can't handle the fact, and the media can't handle the fact, but this is a people's movement. This is really what I'm talking to you about my colleagues. It's like, how are we going to get together? And and I've just recently talked to uh, um, you know UFOlogists from China and Italy, and this is a worldwide phenomenon. So we have to push for something. You know, it's like it's like the women's rights movement. A hundred years, like no women are not. They can't. They can't. Uh, you know, they're not responsible enough to vote or whatever excuse they were using to keep women out of power. It took them a hundred years or more for you know marching and speaking and and proving themselves. And it's that's really what it's going to take for this movement to start like a hundred years or more to start to have like, okay, what is the truth here? Because those in charge never want to give up their power. And when they say, you know what, we don't know what this technology is, but it's not from earth. They're giving away a little power and the power that they have it all together. Um, but that's not the truth. Let's just hear the truth and deal with it. This is what they tell people in, you know, and who are having problems in their relationships and in any kind of self-help situation. They say the truth will set you free. So we're 
we're still fighting with an abusive partner that will not deal with the truth. You know, that's really what it comes down to in, in plain uh, English and psychological terms. You mentioned, so, you mentioned talking to some international ufologists. Uh, you mentioned China yes. specifically, among other yes. places. Are they experiencing the same things with their government? I know China would be a bit of an anomaly, but those <laughs> ufologists look at their governments with the same type of skepticism and are are they looking to, and again, it's a little different in China, but are they looking to try to get some kind of disclosure from their governments as well? Do their militaries have similar footage to the ones that have been either leaked or released by our militaries? Well, the Chinese ufologist I talked to, her name is Xiao Ma. She says it's actually very dangerous to question the government about this stuff. It's dangerous just to come out and say there are UFOs. So from what she, she had to actually leave China and she's one oh, of the wow. brave ones that actually stood up yeah. and she's now in Australia because she can't speak in China about this, but she is passionate about this. And, and ch the Chinese people from all over her country are reaching out to her and saying, yes, we are having experiences. And there's even a deeper cover up in China than there is here. At least here, there's a little crack in the grass in the glass ceiling. There's a little give, and that's new. This is new to the ufologists here. And in Italy, yeah, I, um, the Italian journalists I talk to say, yes, people love this stuff. They love my book there. And there's still this sort of, um, not so much government, but there's a sort of religious um, sect that don't I don't want to really hear that these are beings from other planets. So I think a lot of the world personally, is looking to the U.S. and to what's cracking here, because even though we have a lot of problems with our government, it's at least a little more free. I mean, relatively speaking, of course, there's a lot of oppression, but more than Russia and China, and those are the big powers, and they're looking to us, the rest of the world, the rest of the common people. These are common people who just want to share their experience, like the people here. We're just regular people who just want to know what's going on. I saw something in the sky. I had an experience. These things came into my window. They came into my living room. They, you know, they took my genetics, and that's happening all over. We just want to know. So everyone's looking looking to the U.S. for the truth, because it's starting to crumble here. And, you know, I mean, I am not exactly patriotic, but I do think this is probably one of the freest countries to live in. There's less corruption here, although there's a lot of corruption, but there's less here. And I think it still represents um, a level of freedom and possibility that doesn't exist other other places. I know a lot of people might think that's not true, but I think if it cracks here, it cracks open for the whole world, and it's like there's um, a freedom that happens. There's a there's a, there's a new uh, level of awareness that once it starts to be known that yes, and of course many people have known this for hundreds of years that we're being visited by other beings from other worlds. But once that becomes the mindset of our population, of the world population, we're going to see, I think, things like the breakdown of, of borders and barriers and wars. It's like suddenly we become one humanity. This is what the ultimate, uh, I, I think, mission of uh, these beings are, to, to be the one planet and to meet the other one planet so we can really grow up and face, face the fact that we're part of the cosmos. We're not separate. We're not 
freaks of nature. I think I said that in the last program we did, but we are not, life is not an anomaly and a universe abundant with life and intelligence and technology and possibility and unlimited, unlimited resources. If we can just let go of this, this old addiction to a paradigm that doesn't work, that's destroying our planet, that's creating the sixth mass extinction, that, you know, there's such things as free energy that obviously these ships, whatever they are, what the Navy has recorded, and but the, U, the Air Force has not to acknowledge. But anyway, what's out there, they're not filling up their gas tank to get here. There is a technology that lets them fly without combustion of energy engines and without the pollution. So what is it? Why don't we know it? Who knows this? And and let's let's create a world that can live in abundance with free energy. This is our destiny as a human civilization. Ellen, uh, anecdotally, we've heard a lot of stories along the way about craft uh, not only flying, uh, defying the laws of physics in the air, but also uh, entering the water and 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 maneuvering with underwater in ways that we uh, don't quite understand. And now we have some right. videos that also support that. It seems some of these these uh, released videos from the military show craft entering the water and being very close to the water, those kind of things. Is there a possibility in your mind, or you probably have uh, uh, pondered this uh, extensively, actually, um, maybe we're not talking about aliens or extraterrestrials per se, but maybe we're talking about, what what would they be called, interterrestrials, maybe a subterranean or sub-aquatic uh, terrestrial civilization that might be more advanced? What do you think of that? There probably is more to this Earth than we know of. I have to say, when you said it defies the laws of physics, it only defies the laws of physics that we know. Right. I'm sure there's a science to this technology. But, you know, the the oceans of our world are a lot more mysterious. I think, though, personally, that we are talking about off-world vehicles, unless we're talking perhaps that there is a civilization that, Inside the Earth, I mean, some people have said that the Earth is hollow. It's not flat. I have no patience for flat <laughs> earthers. But I do think that there could be a possibility that there are civilizations that have, I mean, people have talked about the land of the Smoky Sun and Agarthur, and, um, you know, there's many stories about an inner Earth civilization. I don't know. I haven't seen evidence, but there could be um, something that, I mean, that inhabits the insides of worlds. And um, I think, though, these UFOs, whatever they are, that can go under the water are just have the technology, and I tend to think they are still off-world um, civilizations that have come here, and then just going under the water is not a big deal to them. You know, flying through the air at at at, at the speed of light or whatever they're doing to disappear, or or, or having warp drives that that flip in and out of this three-dimensional space because we don't know the physics and the technologies that they can operate with. Maybe they create mini black holes and create time and space warps, and from here to their planet is just seconds away. But maybe there are resources in the ocean that they're also here to gather. So there's so many unanswered questions that will stay unanswered as long as the government is just keeping this to themselves. And we, we forget the government is working for us. We elect that. Whoever is the military-industrial complex needs to be 
taken apart and, and, and shown for what it really is. Uh, um, maybe someone who's just giving their secrets to corporate interest. And if they are giving secrets that belong to the U.S. government, to corporate interests, then they are betraying the American people who own those those secrets. So there's a lot to unpack here once this thing does go live and public. And um, this is what we need Senate hearings about. And this will have the eyes of the world upon us when they come out and say, guess what, people? We got company, and we they've been here for since Roswell or maybe longer, but let's lay it all out on the table. Let's dissect it. Let's talk about how this is going to help, not just our technology or military. I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, we want the superior military and, and technology. But who are we defending ourselves against? You know, that's, that's the kind of insanity here. Let's lay it out on the table. Let's say who's here, what do they want, what technologies can that benefit every single person? Maybe there is a free energy machine that everyone can have in their house and apartment. You plug into that, and we won't be slaves to to um, to uh, energy anymore. We, we will have it because obviously it is right here all around us, but we've become addicted to oil. It's like alcohol. Let's get off the oil, okay, so we can breathe. And so there's so much that this opens up. This is a whole new world that we are entering. It really is. It's it, it, it's And it's a world of wonder and possibility and gets us out of the old enslavements that we've been trapped with. And um, this is right at the, what we're on the threshold of. This is why it's such um, a momentous occasion. That's why with all the hesitation and all that the leaking and slow leaking, because we are at a pivot point in human civilization. We really are. We're in living in incredible times when the whole world is going to wake up to something new, a whole new reality. And, and that's exciting for me, isn't it? Yeah, it is exciting, exciting Ellen. It sounds to me like, though, that we're kind of on a, a predetermined outcome as it, as it relates to this particular report that's about to be delivered. As you said, the preliminary indications are that it's, yeah, we don't know what they are, but we, we can't say they're aliens. Um, does that change anything for the ufology community? Does, do uh, Have they hung their hats on this a little too readily, or does it not change anything if, if this report wait, comes wait, out the I, way we expect So the question is, has what um, hung their hats on and which which piece? Let's dissect that a little bit. Yeah, what so, you, what so I'm saying that, you know, this report is so highly anticipated, and it sounds to me like it's going to, it's not really going to change anything. They're going to, if, if, if this early report is accurate, they're going to report that, yeah, we've seen some things we can't under, ex, explain, but we have no proof they're alien. Um, right. If that is what, in fact, is delivered to Congress, and that is the story, does that is that going to change anything in the ufology community? Well, Have they relied on this report too heavily? Well, I know what you're saying now. Yes, they have relied on this report too heavily, but it's sort of like the only if you've been starving for 75 years and you're given a little breadcrumb, it's like, okay, I've tasted something. So, yeah, I think if we have intelligent people in Congress and they say, well, there's things we don't know, but they're not alien. I think an intelligent person, they might not even have to be in Congress, but let's say they are in Congress, say, what exactly does that mean? You can't accept that kind of excuse. Oh, yeah, we don't know what that – well, we have to start to roll out 
the the crash retrieval that we do have in our possession. If you look at the New York Times, uh, July 24th, 2020, Eric Davis, who's an astrophysicist, briefed congressional members on crash retrievals. This means ships, alien ships that have been down. They, he briefed them on it. So we have the ship. It's right there. I mean, if you believe the New York Times, I don't know why they would make that up, but they can make other things up. So they are. we are relying upon, on this report in a major, major way to break through some of the, the dross and, and, and stagnation that has been in this field for 75 years. But we have to keep pursuing the truth. So, yes, if they say, well, it doesn't seem to be alien, we have to come back and say, well, why not? What makes something alien or not alien? We have to be on our toes. We have to stay alert, stay conscious, and we have to dissect every bit of what is being opposed here. And these are the breakthroughs we are at the very threshold of making. We have to keep asking the questions, why not? Why? Like a little kid. Why, why, why? Why is this not the thing we're looking for? This is exactly what we're looking for. So if the report comes in as, again, as we're, we discussed here, as we expect, and yet we know they have uh, crash debris or retrieval, you know, maybe even full craft from uh, crashes. So we then, then we know if it'll be, it's a lie. I mean, if that's the way it comes yeah. in, then it's not the truth. Well, uh, hello, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about people who have been lying to us about technologies and um, situations that have gone on for 75 years. We're talking about these government officials lying to us. It's right there. They are not telling us the truth about what's going on. So it doesn't get any simpler than that. I mean, what, what more do we need to know besides, like, they're telling lies? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, what are you missing? I mean, you, uh, actually, in you, in your understanding, if um, what 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 piece? Like, if someone's telling you, I mean, it just seems so simple. We we don't. I mean, all of us are pretty honest people. So when someone is like lying to your face, it's hard to 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 believe that they're lying. Right. Like, you know, we we tend to trust people, especially right. our government. And and yes, we can trust them on some things, but if they're saying it doesn't look like aliens and it's not looking like anything we know, when I mean let's say it was not one of ours, okay? And they're saying it's not it's not one of our craft and they're saying, wouldn't that be an intelligence brief? Let's say it is someone another country and they're they're saying right out there Somebody has technology that we don't have, and they're in our airspace. Would they really tell us that as as an intelligence right. organization? Yeah. I mean, am I right about? Or would they say, "Guess what?" There's, I mean, because America always likes to be the best. Would they really want us to tell? Well, there's another country who has technology much superior than anything we can imagine, and they're in our airspace. Would they really say that? No, of course not. Well, no, you're, I mean, not you, but the page of Times is saying that they are saying that. Yeah. The New York Times, that first paragraph, they're saying, they're basically saying there's a, there's, there's there's an intelligence, uh, uh, you know, rupture, and there's a, there's somebody who has technology that we don't understand that's in our airspace. They're either telling us that, if you look at the New York Times, June 3rd, look at it, 2021, right there. And if they if they 
do so it's like they're not there's so that's the sort of confusing part so they're saying well it's not alien but it's not an intelligent you know mishap so what is it well we don't know they're just saying we don't know but you know what that is not never been good enough for for intelligent people to, to to go with the i don't know answer this is what this is what science has been about for the last 300 years if you don't know something you investigate it you know bud hopkins uh one of the best ufologists um that we've had used to say the job the job of science is to uh, uh, explain the uninvest uh, uh, to investigate the unexplained but what we have now are people explaining the uninvestigated so they have it backwards if we don't know something let's talk about it. why put it on the front page of the new york times like we have a huge intelligence failure i, I you know how long did the atom bomb stay secret of course it didn't stay secret that long but you know they're yeah. not coming right out and saying russia has a secret weapon that we don't know anything about so they are presenting a very strange um backwards you know, they don't want to come out and saying it's, they're lying because they're just saying it doesn't look like alien technology. But would they know what alien technology looks like? That's the frustration here. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The, it's, uh, it's like, I'll, re- I'll read the first sentence of today's New York Times released 1016 Eastern Time. American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomena witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft, but they still cannot explain the unusual movements that have mystified <laughs> scientists and military according to They still cannot explain. So, I mean, people reading this, the normal public would say, okay, well, they're saying it's not alien, so it can't be alien, but um, they're not explaining it, so I guess it's just something they don't know. Um, people are not that stupid, I hope. You know, they re- we really have to see what are they... Why can't this be alien or interdimensional or time travelers or or why, you know, they the government and the media don't like to say they don't know everything. So we have we this is this is exactly why we need Senate hearings to go into public hearings. We need officials, we need people who have been studying this, like the people in my book, Making Contact, who have been talking about this very situation for 40 or more years coming to the people to the government say yes uh, you may not know what this is but i've had experiences i've talked to whistleblowers inside the government we know exactly or not exactly we know what this is or could be or or likely will be we can't say we don't know anymore that is a bold faced lie that the new york times is printing from from the military alan um what if this report gets delivered to Congress and it surprises everyone? Let's say they say all the things that we were talking about, but at the very end they say, and yes, we do have uh, uh, exotic materials from crash sites, and yes, we believe that some of these sightings were in fact an alien technology. What happens then? What does that do to the world, and what does that do uh, to uh, the government and the rest of us who have been waiting for this announcement? Well, just think about what that does. It changes history as we know it, first of all. 
It means that we are part of a greater cosmology, so it changes our understanding of biology, um, sociology. So we maybe these beings have learned to get along, and maybe they have technologies. Of course, everyone's looking at the technology angle, but maybe they've reached a place of higher consciousness that they can maybe help humans achieve as well. This changes everything. This is game over for the old paradigm. It's like, you know, the end of the pinball game, game over, and you put a new quarter in, and it's a whole new game. This is a whole new game. Richard Dolan wrote a book called After Disclosure, AD, After Disclosure, how it changes religious ideas. It changes our old dear, uh, whole idea of maybe intelligence is is something that's proliferated throughout the universe. Maybe we're not freaks of nature. So it, it changes all the sciences. It changes sociology. It may even change human psychology. I think it's a real input to creative possibilities. I mean, science fiction writers have been writing about this possibility for ages. So it's it really is a whole new world we come into. And a lot of people will be upset. A lot of people will say, what? The world is not the way you said it was. And it's sort of like why they put Galileo in, in jail yeah. in Italy. Yeah. When, when, and this, there'll be a lot of that kind of reaction because people, people like to know that the reality they're living in is what they think. And suddenly someone comes along and say, guess what? Reality is nothing like you thought it was. That's actually traumatizing for people. So in my book, which I call Preparation for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence, I quote Joe Dispenza. You know who Joe Dispenza is? I don't. He is a, he's a human potential coach. And he... Yeah, I quote him because he says something really important as far as um, getting people used to the idea that there's something else coming on here. He says, knowledge is a prerequisite for experience. The more knowledge you have, the more prepared you are for the event. So, yes, let's say the government does come out because eventually the truth does come out. It may not be this government report or this year, but it's going to come out. Hopefully in the next 10 or 20 or whatever years, because we're closer to it than ever. So let's say it comes out. People need to be prepared. And this is why I wrote this for these other levels of reality, because it kind of shifts the mindset. It's like we're used to thinking about things like we're the most important mm, people on the bike. We're, we're, we're the head of the class. You right. know, we're, we're top the, of the food, Top of the food the chain, universe. yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's say we're not the smartest guys. Let's say there's civilizations that are much more advanced. Instead of like fighting that, why don't we humble ourselves enough to say, please teach us what you know. Help our world that is in need of higher technologies, of, of, a, of a common um, theme that will unite us all. This could be the time that people have said that, it could be a utopian world. I mean, that's idealistic, but it's also idealistic to think that, hey, ETs are here, and maybe we're actually seeing that. So the world as we know it will change in fundamental ways that we can't even um, perceive now. But it's like new stimuli have always pushed the evolutionary aspect 
of human intelligence, and we're about to meet a new stimuli. But, so but, it's exciting times. But, I'm very excited about what this moment in history offers us that nothing in the last 5,000 years of civilization has ever afforded us before. I, Isn't that exciting? It, it's very exciting. I, I wonder a little bit about uh, the reaction of people in general, because attitudes have changed a lot. I cannot remember the last time in just the normal course of conversation, and believe me, these topics come up, you know, regardless of where I am and who I'm talking to, these topics seem to come up. I can't remember the last time I talked to somebody who ended up who thought for a minute that we're alone in the universe. I mean, I think that used to be a fairly common belief. I don't think that's right. so common. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to be surprised when they see their first, uh, you know, extraterrestrial or get confirmation right. that the first one flew over their head at some point. But still, most people seem to have come to the conclusion and come to the realization that we can't be alone in this gigantic, un- immeasurable universe. Exactly. We're not alone, and we've never been alone, and it's time we realize that we're part of a much bigger cosmology. This is way bigger than we have imagined. The world, the universe, the stars, the multiverse, the interdimensional travels, it's, it, it, it takes us to a whole other realm of consideration that um, maybe is even not more than we have imagined, but more than we can imagine at this moment in history. But that just think of how it opens up the intelligence, how we, we're, we're pushing to know more. And this has always been the march of history. What, what, what else can we know? So this will create, I feel, a huge renaissance in thought on all levels of creativity and possibility and invention. So, yeah, we're not alone in the universe, and it seems like that could be the truth because most people have suspected that anyway. When you look at the stars, I'm actually looking at the Big Dipper right now, uh, those are worlds out there. Yeah. And why why would intelligence just grow on this world? Why would it be so sophisticated? I think we are from the stars, personally. I think that the true history of human civilization will be known or begin to be known because I don't. There's a part of us that do uh, that is very different than all the other animals that have evolved on this earth. I think we've been genetically upgraded by other beings that have taken the evolving primates and injected a different gene. And in my book, you can actually, there's some scientists that talk about this gene that seems to be a a strange anomaly within the DNA that does not seem to have evolved here. So we're from the stars. And I think our consciousness is non-local, which gets us to the other subject, which is remote viewing. But we are of we're on the earth, but not of the earth. Of course, we have these earth bodies that we have to take care of, but our consciousness, our intelligence, our ability to observe and to actually function non-locally um, suggests we're part of a much greater reality. I just, and let's wake up. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to remind our audience, if you're just joining us, that uh, our guest is Alan Steinfeld, and uh, he is a UFO researcher, also a remote viewer and a teacher of remote viewing and the topics we've just finished talking about here in relationship to this ufo disclosure that may or may not be happening uh, are covered in more detail in in alan's book it's called making contact uh, that was the subject of our 
conversation when Alan was on the show last, but we're going to switch topics now. You alluded to it, Alan. You've been teaching remote viewing for quite some time. Uh, how did you How did you get into this? The idea of remote viewing yourself, and especially taking that and trying to uh, instruct others and teach others how to do it. Right. Well, let me just say, finish up that last um, like subject. Is that I, we are expecting a report? I do think it's going to come out, and with some surprises. I think a lot of people in the UFO field are going to be happy that we've been given another breadcrumb. I don't think we're going to get the whole enchilada, but we're going to get more, and this is going to start to open up the conversation. So, how I got into remote viewing is that um, I was interviewing people for a long time, and I happened to meet this guy, Russell Targ. And Russell Targ was one of the initial uh, founders of the Stanford Research Institute remote viewing program, where they actually developed protocols that they then taught to the CIA to psychically spy because it came down that the Russians were using a psychic spying program of the Soviets, as they were called then. And, of course, the Americans always like to keep up with the uh, Soviets and the Russians. So they said, they, you know, we can't let the Soviets develop a psychic spying program without, without us doing something like that. So for 20 years, the government gave money to Stanford Research Institute to work on what's been called remote viewing. They didn't want to call it psychic spying. That sounded a little too hokey. So it started out um, with this one, actually, a pretty amazing psychic named Ingo Swan, who, um, who actually coined the term remote viewing. And he had met Hal Putoff, who was also one of the founders of the program, along with Russell Targ. And so the two of them um, started to develop a way of actually teaching people, along with Ingo's um, instruction. They sort of were inventing this. How can we teach people how to be more psychic, more tuned in? So they developed a protocol for accessing that part of our brain. We're all psychic or let's even call it non-local, we all have the capacity to remote view, which is what is so obvious in my class. So I went to meet Russell Targ in this interview, and he said, I'm going to teach you how to remote view in five minutes. And I said, oh, okay. And I was already developing like some psychic levels of awareness and already tuning into that kind of a way of knowing that we could um, send and receive different messages from people. So I was already interested in all that. And um, uh, so we, um, so this whole idea of remote viewing, remote sensing started to come online and people were uh, developing these non-local awarenesses. And um, I just, and Russell said, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to do this and just empty your mind and, um, I can go through the whole technique, but um, I started to realize, and through Russell's help, that there's a linear function to our brain, and there's a nonlinear function to our to our brain, which is non-local. So, for instance, let's just say I told you that all the information you would ever know is right there on your computer, and that's and that's just sort of. But there's but, and you can't access information that's not on your computer, you would say, fine. But if someone else came along and said, you know, there's this thing called the Internet that allows me to access information that's not actually on my hard drive, that, well, that would look like um, a non-local reality. You know, that's, right. does that make sense? Yeah. So that's like the right, the right brain 
I, I divide into right and left brain, which seems like that's sort of the scientific uh, nomenclature that's on now. Your right brain is the logical mind that just knows what it knows. And I, I mean the left brain. The left brain is the logical mind. The right brain is the intuitive mind. That is non-local. It's not, this is my understanding, it is, it is received by the brain. It's like a radio. A radio receives a signal, but, but the announcer's not in the radio or the band, the Beatles, or not, whatever you're listening to is not in the radio. It's a signal. So our right brain can pick up signals that are non-local. That radio broadcast, maybe we're on the radio now, is non-local, meaning that wherever you are, that signal, if you're within the reach of that signal, and I think the brain is a lot more of a sophisticated receiver than anything we have ever created, but the signals received by that apparatus that can pick up that frequency. So we can pick up thoughts. We do it all the time. We, you know, it's the classic example. As you walk into a, a room where someone's had an argument, you know it right away. There's right. like a stillness. You, you can feel these things, it's feelings and thoughts. So we have a non-local receiving component in our right brain. Like, actually, if you look at the TED Talk where you listen to the Jill Bolte Taylor, she talks about losing her left brain completely and becoming this pure being of total awareness, right brain. But, of course, you need the left brain to express yourself because that's the logical part. If you're just all right brain, you can't go from A to B. But you're aware of the totality of creation. But you need both parts of your brain to function. But we've undernourished our right brain. Because the left brain has taken over dominance in our culture. We learn to count one, two, three, and we learn the ABCs from the time we're five years old. We're put in school and saying, let's train your left brain to count and recite and read and do all the logical things. So that's that whole training. And we forget that we have this whole other part that's capable of non-local awareness. And that's what remote viewing is. Remote viewing is accessing non-local awareness. Is that, so, to, is that to suggest, Alan, that if we f- didn't focus on the logic, you know, if we were sent to school instead to focus on uh, consciousness or, you know, other right, right brain types of disciplines, would we be as adept at some of these right right brain ideas like remote viewing as we may, or at least some of us are, in these left brain logic ideas? Well, yeah, that's the whole idea is to develop those parts of our brain that have been underdeveloped that, yeah, to, to exact, exactly right. We need to be more adept in the intuitive, um, uh, energetic um um, pattern perceiving, like your 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 right brain perceives patterns and your left brain perceives linear uh, qualities. So we need to think more as pattern beings. You know, look at the patterns in the world and shift our thinking. We, I mean, music is basically a right brain sort of um, um, aspect. So we, that's right. why we can listen sometimes to the same song over and over again. I think they played Stairway to Heaven for 24 hours on some radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is an aspect that the artistic sense, the creative sense, creativity, creative ideas come from this access to this non-local reality. 
where else would creative ideas come from? It can't come from the information that's just in the left brain because something new happens when you have a creative idea. It's not just the rearrangement of stuff we already know. There's an outside source that some people call the divine. I mean, Socrates called the creative poet uh, 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 an instrument of the divine. So we are accessing a higher consciousness when we're in the creative right brain mode of perceiving. And so the idea here, in order for something like remote viewing to actually work, is this consciousness would have to be a fabric that connects us all? Um, well, remote viewing does work. And, of course, there is that fabric that connects us all. <laughs> We're all non-local. I mean, there's not could be. There is. Okay. Consciousness is one. It's all the same it's like electricity. The same electricity lights up your computer and your light bulb and your television. It's it's all the same source. It just takes on different forms. Consciousness is all the same source. It's just coming through me and you a little differently. But it is. We're all connected in non-local reality. And does does everybody have the ability, subject to you know training and practice and 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 I guess maybe some opening your mind a little bit, but does everyone have the ability to be able to engage in this? Can everyone work with their right brain, if you will, to try to develop these skills and be able to remote view and other things? Uh, well, it, I think most people have a right brain. So, you know, most people um, have some sort of artistic, intuitive sense to them. So even if they putting on a shirt and pants in the morning, even while dreaming, it's like the whole, your, your right brain's being flooded. So yeah, I find the people who are more creative though, who are indulging that aspect of their intuition and their pattern perceptions do have an easier time at. The people who are really rational, who can't get out of the way, who really, you know, you can't run the program of personality of this is who I am and tap into the unknown or tap into this abstract awareness. If you're thinking everything's like, I know what everything, if, if you know things, you say, when I teach remote viewing, I say, don't name it. Naming is the left brain and who that thinks it knows what it is. You describe it in adjectives, use adjectives, not nouns, use motion. But when you name it, you collapse the wave function which means you say, oh, this is what it is. And then you back in the left brain. You're not seeing, when you're remote viewing, this is how I teach it, you have to somehow communicate with the right brain and let the images flow into you without interpreting it. And that's the hardest thing to do. And But everyone can do it because we all have a right brain. We're all creative. We all dream. So... The, the key thing that Russell Targ, who taught me how to do this, said, look for the thing that comes into your mind that you don't normally think about. That is the psychic signal or the signal as opposed to the noise. The noise is all the things you're thinking about all the time. Oh, did I pay this bill? Does this person like me? What am I doing tomorrow? This is the noise of your monkey mind or your left brain. But somehow, sometimes, the signal pops in and you get an image of a car, you get an image of a, a bottle or of a, or something. You get an image of an image that you're not normally thinking about. It just pops in. Then the 
psychic wind, I call it, it's like the window is open. It's like suddenly you're something popped open beyond the rational brain and you're getting the signal. You're not picking up the noise. But that's the hardest thing, differentiating the noise of your left brain, which is always talking to you about what you should do, who you are. Oh, I should have said this. I should have said this. That's the monkey mind. And then, boom, you get the signal. So I, I tell people before we start remote viewing, we have to silence the mind. So we do a little meditation. We forget. We forget everything that happened during the day, everything we're thinking about. We get out of the way. We get the personality, which is left brain, because that's not who you are. You're not your personality. That's who, just who you think you are, but that's not you. You're the bigger being that can see it all, that doesn't have a personality. That is all things. So when you can get the personality out of the way and say, okay, buddy, take a back seat. We're just going to be empty. And then I say, okay, I'm thinking of a target or this is the numbers for you because sometimes we just give out. No, I have a, like a whole remote viewing practice group that actually was so excited about with a course I taught, I taught on Portal to Ascension. And people can go to Portal to Ascension and take that preliminary four-week course and then learn the basics. But other people are teaching this too. Uh, Lynn, Lynn Buchanan is an incredible teacher of remote viewing. He's probably one of the best. I learn a lot every time I sit in on his class. But anyway, if you can get out of the way of the personality and drop into emptiness, and then you say, and then I say, or someone says the, uh, what they call the moderator says, okay, there's a, there's a target in this envelope or they give coordinates or something. Then you just let something come into your mind. It's like, you just let the image or the sound, some people get smells, some people hear things, some people hear dialogue, some people get the sense. I mean, it comes to people in different ways because everyone's so creative. Uh, it's like if, if we all saw the same movie and I asked people what the movie was about, we'd get like different different views and right. it would all be the same thing, right? You right. Mean? So sometimes it would even seem like the diff a different movie if you're depending on who you talk to. So this, um, when you tap into the right brain and it's like I call it actually, and I think uh, I call it seeing in the dark because we're so used to, and we, we're trained this way when we're young to see something or hear something and identify, oh, this is a cup, that's a table, that's a floor. This is, so you see it, you know what it is, and boom, it's in a box. But when you're, when you're seeing with your right brain, there are no labels. So it's like you're standing in front of a tree, but you're, you're looking at something that could be, but you're not you're not labeling. As soon as you label it, you don't know what it is. You've collapsed the wave function in physics and you put it in a box and you've lost the target. This is not about knowing. It's about not knowing. It's about describing something as it's seen from its essence, basically. And when you practice that enough, then you can put together the pictures with a more sophisticated left brain and say, maybe it's this. But I tell people in the beginning, don't guess. Don't label, don't identify anything, just write your impressions. And then they start to develop, a way, and sometimes the, the really expert remote viewers, you give them a target and they could write 20 pages on their impressions. And then from that 20 pages, they start to formulate with, you know, and I'm not, I'm telling people, don't guess. Let, let it come to you. If it's not coming, 
and take a break, get out of the way, and then come back to it. Because this is not about guessing. This is about knowing on another level of knowing. It's like um, it's sensing. It's like some things you just know. Um, how like what like um, sometimes someone's calling you and you just know who that is and um, I mean it's like knowing and what how can I describe knowing it's like you know you're sitting in that room right you just know it you're not believing it you're not understanding it you're not thinking about it it's like wherever you are you know you're there that's a knowing it's a knowingness. So it's about training what's been called knowingness and 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 other ways of perceiving. And in a way, it does relate to the UFO phenomenon because John Mack said, if we're going to understand this thing, we need other ways of knowing. And I think the other ways of knowing is with the right brain. So I think this is also getting back to the original topic, how these ETs sort of communicate with us through a, a nonlinear non-local sense of awareness because it's never what we think it is. Things are never what we think it is. It's only what we think it is, but it's not what it is. What it is is not thinking. What anything is, it's not thinking. What we're seeing with our, or sensing, let's say with the right brain, it's not thinking. You're in the normal way of thinking. It is a sensing awareness. Is that making sense? Yeah, Have I lost you? No, no, it makes a lot of sense, Alan. Um, I want to ask, though, about targets a little bit. You talked about mm-hmm. things as simple as, I call them simple. It's certainly not simple when you're when you're starting out in a, as a remote viewer. But, so, you know, in, something in an envelope, uh, something sitting on somebody's desk. How, how extensive can this go? Can you remote view, you know, somebody's office or halfway around the world? Well, non-local means you're not limited in time and space. There was a really amazing, actually, Russell Targ made a movie called Third Eye Spies, and he talked about the the best remote viewer in the Stanford Research Institute program was Pat Price. And he could remote view um, documents inside a sealed safe. Wow. You know, and I think he... I mean, he sort of died. I don't know what happened, but something mysterious happened. He ended up working directly for the CIA, and I, I don't know. There's some mystery about what happened to him, and um, some of that's in this movie, Third Eye Spies. But, yeah, if you're a really good remote viewer, which really means, and we all can do this, you shut off your left brain, you become empty, you tune into the target, and you basically, and this is what I say at the beginning of the class, everyone knows everything about everything and everybody. They just have to get out of the way. There are no secrets. But, you know, we have, we've developed such a strong sense of self and personality that that's what's in the way of our knowing, our personality. It's like you can't run two programs at the same time. You can't run personality and knowing at the same time because the personality just is a thinking um of the total being and the being is a part of eternity and non-local in its essence. We are non-local. This is why, you know, people with near-death experiences, they really do come so, go somewhere in their consciousness, but it's, it's sort of beyond time and space and in dream states and astral travel. These things are beyond the local realities that we 
identifying with as time and space. And 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 lots of people are now saying time and space is an illusion. I right. think even Einstein hinted at that. So remote viewing gets us to another level of a, of a spiritual understanding of 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 who we really are. That's beyond the confinement of of religion and education and politics and all the things we thought we were, we're not that. We're we're much bigger than than the identities of um, of our of our small self. We're the big self. Ultimately, you did a gr- you did a great job of explaining the process um, and how someone would go through this. But let's let's uh, let's specify it a little bit. In that example that I threw out there, I said, you know, can you remote view somebody's office halfway around the world? Let's assume it's in a place that, you know, we have very little knowledge of. If you asked me to remote view an office in the Kremlin, for example, I already have a preconceived notion in my head of what an office in the Kremlin might look like. So that might poison my, you know, poison my mind a little bit. Let's say it's a place that, you know, is completely nondescript. You you would have no preconceived notion as to what this place might look like. How would you start that process, Alan? Well, if you have no, that's the best place to start without any preconceptions of what anything is. We have to let go of all the things we think we know. So like, yes, if you're describing an office in the Kremlin, you have to let go of everything you think you know about an office in the Kremlin. You have to start from zero. You have to start with an empty mind. And then you don't think it's comes to you. It will arise in your consciousness. It will appear in your mind's eye, an image or a thought. When you really get empty and you know you're empty, you don't do anything. You're empty. And all you do is remind yourself of, this, of, of what the target could be or whatever it is, an envelope, and then it just comes to you. I, I, I can't, it's like, that's the simplest and most complex way I could describe it. It will come. Build it and they will come. And, no. and as this comes to you, um, in your experience, yeah. uh, let's say we are remote viewing this this office in an undisclosed location that we have no pre- preconceived notions about. Do you start right. Do you start getting images of, say, you know, a, a desk, uh, uh, you know, yeah. something on the wall, a picture? Uh, you yeah. Know, that's... You get images of all of that. It's Sometimes you have a different affinity to certain things. There's one, there's one thing that does come up that um, Lynn Buchanan talks about. He calls them AOLs, analytical overlays, where you get a, a kind of because when you're looking remote viewing, sometimes these things are very mm, non unformed. So you may get a sort of image of something may seem like a death. So you immediately say, "Oh, that's a death." But it may not be a desk. It may be, I don't know, what's like a desk. It could be like a car and there's some building. I mean, it could be things that mm, that may appear one way, but the mind, and because we've been so trained to think only by a left brain, and we, we've been so trained to know what everything is, oh, I know what this is, I know what this is, that analytical overlays are... Um, one of the um, pitfalls of the, but sometimes an analytical overlay can also help you go deeper into the topic, into the subject, into what's there as well. So it's 
it's a much more complex thing. Once you start to get these images, then you can actually go deeper into the images. I mean, I'm sort of an intermediate remote viewer. I'm not a beginner, but it's like there's people who go really deep and they, then they go into the image. And it's like, let's say they get a vague outline of a desk or something. They can go into that on maybe another level. They, they get colors and they get other, you know, textures. And so there's, this is a sort of a deep, sophisticated process. So you can do it in five minutes, but to really learn it, it's, it's years of study in a way. It's years of understanding how your mind thinks, you know, like um, identifying what your analytical overlays are and why. Those are your immediate go-tos and may, may have something to do with something that happened in the past, an incident that just stands out for you that, or you may tune into something in that office in the Kremlin that just is important to you. Maybe a flower in the desk, that may be the only thing you get from that target because it may have an importance of an, of an AOL to you that is actual in actuality at that target site. So it's like, it's like unraveling the aspects of this other way of thinking that is almost, I would say, infinite. But it's understanding how your mind works, and it starts to uh, deconstruct, in a sense, the the way the left brain immediately wants to know everything, and and you start to sit back and you start to become more of a whole brain person. That's the thing. You become more creative. Your dreams become more um, vitalized you there's there's more of a sense of intuition of of that um, pops up so yeah you may be seeing the target but sometimes maybe you're seeing like who's around the corner you it develops a sense of innate knowing um, that if, if you read the book by Carlos Castaneda the power of silence he says there's ways of knowing without words we want to put everything into words but there's this ways of knowing that actually your body, your the intuitional inside that you see the right brain has is so abstract that it it only communicates sometimes in in vague notions that the left brain interprets. So we as you start to remote view more, there's more of a dialogue between these two parts of yourself. Which, which most people don't even understand their, their intuition. But, you know, we go deeper into who we are as human beings. We have this other part of ourselves. Some people call it the more feminine side, the receptive side. That's why I'm saying you receive the signal. You, you just you ask for this. You get the target. You enter your mind. And then you receive. You don't do anything. You not do. It's a not doing that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. I'm just marveling at the fact that our hour has passed so quickly. I, I love having you on the program, Alan, because, first of all, you, you've got a great insight and a lot of great uh, knowledge and, and a, a wonderful way of being able to relay it. Uh, but also, time just flies. Uh, if people are interested in, in becoming a student of remote viewing, I don't know, are you still taking students? and Or, or how would you direct them? Uh, well, I've, I, I'm doing this uh, class so I taught this class at Portal to Ascension. Everyone loved it, and they formed this um, 
form this group, this ongoing remote viewing group where we just practice and we, somebody every week, it's, it's like uh, uh, everyone's taking turns teaching in a way because when you teach something, you get to even know it better. So why don't they email me and ask to be part of the remote viewing group in the subject title? They can email me at new realities. That's plural realities, new realities, T-I-E-S, at earthlink.net. So email me if people want, and, and they can also go to portal2ascension.org and look at the old remote viewing classes and take some of those. But, yeah, I think it's just to, better to jump into the deep end and start start practicing. And people do it remarkably well for the first time. That's That's the thing. It's like this is so... They actually do it better when they first start than when they start thinking about it. Like things just come to them. Right. And one more thing I want to just mention about remote viewing is sometimes people remote view the future, you know? Mm-hmm. So Pat Price or somebody at Stanford Research Institute told someone to go out and find a location somewhere around the Bay Area. And Pat Price and Russell Targ were, were hungry. They said, let's go to lunch. And and Russell said, well, you haven't found location. And so he drew the location before Hal Putoff got to the location, before even he, he knew the location he would get to. Wow. He drew the location. Wow. So hmm. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what that means, but it's and, – and, and Joe McMonagall talks about that too. He's actually um, – is one of the teachers of doing now. So this is um, – when we start to really investigate right brain awareness, we're going to open up a whole new aspect of human potential that we have not seen before. Of course, the artists have always known this because that's that's where they get their ideas from. They get it from the unknown. So um, we could do maybe next time a practice remote viewing, get callers to call in, oh, yeah. take callers here. Yeah, we do. Sure. Oh. Well, yeah. maybe next time we'll do a practice remote viewing and have people call in. And see if they get the target. That would be that a lot. We could teach it. Yeah, we that, could teach it right on the air here. Okay, <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't want to let you go before you can tell people where they can get your book, Making Contact. Yeah, you know, Making Contact is a, a, a lot of what I'm talking about because whatever we're making contact here is not something we can understand with our rational mind. It's it's more in the field of of. Mm, non-rational knowing, but a knowing for sure, we have to wake up this other sense. So making contact is making contact with that part of ourselves. It's making contact with these beings, whoever they are, wherever they're from, because we're only going to make contact when we're in that other level of awareness. So it's making contact, preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence. And that is what we're looking to achieve a kind of extraterrestrial awareness. And you can get that on Amazon. It's published by St. Martin's Press. Go to St. Macmillan is the um, main publisher of St. Martin's. You can go to uh, Macmillan, type in my name, Alan Steinfeld, or go to Amazon. Amazon, I like to keep my rankings high on Amazon because then other like other outlets look at Amazon and say, oh, yeah, what's the best sellers on Amazon? So I, I do have a good ranking of this book. Uh, the number It was number one UFO book for a while, best-selling UFO book. But then there's, you know, there's always a new book. So go to Making Contact, um, 
Alan Steinfeld, order an Amazon. Actually, Amazon's giving a discount on that book right now, too. I think it's only it's $20 in the stores, but it's $17 on Amazon, and it's free shipping with Amazon Prime. Not that I'm promoting that. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm happy to talk to you anytime. This is really exciting. This is some of my favorite things to talk about because nobody knows what's going. We have to tap into yeah. another level of awareness and why not do it and have fun about it, exactly. right? Exactly. I agree with that 100%. I, did I ask you last time or any of the times that we've talked if your work with St. Martin's Press, if you ever worked with Peter Wolverton? I've heard that name, Peter Wolverton. He was uh, part of like one of those imprints, right? He was He was uh, one of the – I'm not sure exactly of his title. He was a uh, an executive editor of some sort uh, for St. Martin's Press. And I know he lurked, worked with a lot of these types of topics, so I didn't know if you would ever have a chance to work with him. He was a high school friend of mine. That's why I ask. Oh, really? Actually, I wanted to meet him because there was a couple of books I wanted to propose to him. Yeah, I think he has an imprint at, at, at one of the St. Martin's, um, you know, um, you know, there's all these different divisions. Right, that right. Yeah. yeah. I think he runs He runs a division that I think was publishing the Graham Hancock books. Sounds right to you me. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Peter. I actually wanted to meet him because I had a, a book proposal before I met uh, my editor at, at St. Martin's. I was trying, looking around, but um, I do have another book that goes way into creativity, UFOs, art, remote viewing, all this that I'm and I, I want to put out after this, so you're really going to enjoy that. Well, next time I talk to Peter, I'll I'll drop your name and and uh, maybe I can connect the yeah. two of you. That'd be great. That would be great. Yes. I, I did. You just interview the Hertogs recently, JJ and Desiree Hertog. No, you know they are no, no. Oh, you, you would like them. They're colleagues of mine. They okay. they write about this area too. I'll turn. Yeah, send me an email. I, I, there's a bunch of great people in this kind of consciousness, new consciousness field that I think you'll enjoy. Great. Yeah, that's I appreciate those recommendations. Alan, again, thank you so much for being here. It's always great to have you on. Look forward to the to the next time, and it won't be that far down the road. It's great making contact with you, right? Absolutely. Take care. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.